Hey guys, so this is Rob um, from Gay Book Friends, obviously. Um, and I just wanted to start out this episode with a quick disclaimer and apology. Um, you know, here in the studio, the illustrious technology that we have um, when we record this award-winning famous podcast is not always um, A++++. So the episode you're about to hear was recorded in a bit of a, I don't know, perhaps unsatisfactory circumstance so the sound quality is not the best um so just bear with us for now and we promise that moving forward we will only be recording in the most professional of senses but um if my voice gets a little bit too unbearably loud i do not hate you or blame you if you want to just skip through my parts one day we, we will definitely be winning an emmy for that um love you guys and um without further ado please enjoy the episode that sounds a bit crunchier than i do right now but um yeah here we go happy um spooky season yes spooky season (laughs) i've been patiently waiting i think it was in January when I said I'm gonna start planning my Halloween costume now and um, I never did buy anything so Interesting we're up against the wire, but I did know that for spooky season I was excited for us specifically because we could finally read the You know The deep deep cuts the good spooky shits. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) I mean Sure. <laughs> Would you say that you enjoy reading horror genre of stuff? Um, I like my mantra about this whole thing is I like. What do you mean spooky. this whole thing? Like this podcast, this friendship, this, this life. <laughs> Listen, I could go on and on about the horrors of our friendship, but I'm gonna keep it to the books for now. <laughs> If this you don't is the mind. true the true American horror story going to college in New York City and having only twink friends and it's surviving horrendous and surviving Where's my that? final girl story <laughs> the final hag story <laughs> the final hag starring Lauren Quinn executive produced <laughs> by Quinn Productions anyway shout out to her um, um, my whole mantra is I like spooky things. I've always liked spooky things. I'm not necessarily always into horror though, but that's changed a little bit ever since I read this like interview at some point. I think it was Stephen King, but I could be wrong. And he said like horror is just extreme comedy and that like changed my mindset on horror completely. And now I kind of like it. Think about how people are literally addicted to horror. Like even little kids, like I saw a TikTok of a six-year-old girl who like the parents had michael myers come to her birthday party and it's to the point where there are people who think that horror movies like can put them to sleep like people get it you know and i think (laughs) spook the difference between spook and horror is that spook sort of denotes a sort of camp where like it's supposed to be scary it's a play on it and you can freak you out but it's more based on mood i feel like than horror is a lot more just like gore well right because i'm not a gore girl i don't do gore although my favorite scary movies like i love the scream movies because i think i love you like slashers because slashers are inherently camp 
literally because of Friday the 13th, but also. (laughs) Yes, because you have teen girls running around, la-di-da-ing, and then they all get murdered. But, like, by a faceless. You're a fan of the final girl trope. I am, which brings us to the very first book of GBF Spooky Month, which we will have at least four, but hopefully five episodes this month. Are they five um, Wednesdays in October? I don't know. We'll make it five because I love, love October and I know you love October. So we had to kick it off with, as I was just saying, I love slasher final girl sort of trope so it's only appropriate that our first book this month is final girls by riley sager sager or sager or doesn't matter i don't know it's a man first of all which i was surprised me too i didn't know that and it's a pseudonym for um something else don't know what good for um This book was the perfect book to start off with because it sort of encapsulates what we love on the podcast camp and a little bit of horror and October. So just to assess what this book is about um, in a short synopsis, it it hooked me in right as soon as I read the um, synopsis, even though it wasn't, the book ended up not being exactly what I expected. Um, It's described as 10 years ago, college student Quincy Carpenter, which is such a final girl name, like something about that, like. I feel like she's best friends with the girl on Scream, in Scream, went on vacation with five friends and came back alone, the only survivor of a horror movie scale massacre. In an instant, she became a member of a club no one wants to belong to. I mean, speak for yourself. A group of similar survivors known in the press as the Final Girls. Lisa, who lost nine sorority sisters to a college dropout's knife, and Sam, who went up against the sack man during her shift at the Nightlight Inn. Um, these three girls are all attempting to put their nightmares behind them, and with that, one another. Despite the media's attempts, they never meet. That is, until Lisa, the first final girl, is found dead in her bathtub, wrists slit. And Sam, the second final girl, appears on Quincy's doorstep. Um, basically, just to sum up the rest of this long synopsis, um, it turns out that not everything was as it seems, and Sam, this other final girl, who showed up to talk to Quincy, it's like, what's the truth? Um, and are we ever going to figure out what really happened at Pine Cottage and finish what was started 10 years ago? So I read that, and I was like, okay, so we got three girls... They all are final girls and survived massacres of some degree. Um, And now they're like uniting. So girl power. And they're going to take down someone. That's what I thought the book was going to be. I can't say I was necessarily disappointed, but I wouldn't say that it was what it expected. Um, Do you think that based on the synopsis, this book achieved what it was promising? Like, did you think it achieved that spook horror vibe? Like, what do you really think? Um, <laughs> like my honestly, because about this book is that nothing happens for two thirds of the novel. Why do we keep reading books like that? <laughs> I think we're there's something wrong with literary fiction these days. I don't think we're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as people who are not authors, I would say that if I was writing a book that was had the pull of a murder mystery. I wouldn't make the central character a white woman who's obsessed with baking because, my God, what is it with this baking? 
why do I feel like this is something that follows, like, you know, that movie A Simple Favor with Anna Kendrick? Yeah. And there's a couple other, as we said last time, white I women think- breakfast novels. These women, I, they when they're traumatized, like is baking the universal trauma response amongst well, I mean, white women in modern what literature. Happened, look what happened when quarantine started. Everyone was baking bread. That's a trauma response. Like you baking bread, <laughs> getting bread. Oh, <laughs> and bread getting bread. Multiple versions of the term. But I would say I kind of think it's Quincy is like a exaggeration sort of of a trope of an archetype which i kind of did appreciate because it almost it almost felt like he was making fun of it a little bit like when you think about the final girl it is like the pretty blonde good girl right Mm -hmm. keeps to herself until the end basically what we know about her from her past was that she was like the virgin of the friend group didn't like to drink universally um, the normal, very um, blonde-looking woman. Yeah, so having her bake, uh, especially when you get further in the novel and having like the baking as sort of a foil to the darker underbelly of her character, I think is just like sort of funny, but also sort of useful. I don't know. It's also like funny to make fun of like baking bloggers, right? Because that's what she It is. totally is. But that's why I thought they could have leaned into it more. Like, I personally that's don't true. think she was unraveled enough to begin with. No. I don't think this book ever, like, goes far enough. Did it achieve its goal? Yes. Because by the end of it, we had been through a couple twists, um, which yeah, we'll get to. Like, the red herrings are pretty good. I literally wrote down, I said, do we think that this book utilizes its red herrings well? And I would say it does because there's little things sprinkled throughout where you know you're going to predict the ending. We have a character who comes into the book who it's obvious she's shady. And it's obvious to us that she's hiding something. Um, That character being Sam, one of the three final girls that are like portrayed in this book, the survivor of, you know, her own massacre comes to find Quincy after previously being in hiding. She retreated completely off the grid from society for the past 10 years. So when she shows up on um, Quincy's doorstep the day after the third final girl, Lisa, was killed, you're like, okay, so this is a great plot layout. What I didn't expect was them for them to stay in New York City baking for like a week. I was ready for like a road trip. I was ready yeah. for like the gr- murder girl, final girl's girl's trip. You know, hit the road again. You know, their demons come to the surface. I knew there'd be some murdering on their part. I thought there'd be more. I thought it was going to totally devolve into like, you know, crazy cuckoo mess of discovering what happened to Lisa. That's not what we get. Instead, it's much more of a... How would you describe like a picture of a mentally ill woman (laughs) being forced to relive trauma through running through Central Park? Like, for (laughs) ten chapters? I mean, the media is, again, like, a huge character in this book. Um, But they could have been bigger. Shout out to journalists. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We keep reading books about fucking journalists, too. I mean, I don't even know why they keep coming up. It's because they're the true evil of society. I think (laughs) if this was a book about the media, if we had the journalists really get all saucy and into it. But I don't know. I mean... 
I wouldn't say that's what I took away from the book the most. What I took away from this book, let's say when I first started reading it, I was pissed off that this book was so pro-cop. Oh my God, I was just thinking about that. It I'm is. Like, I have to bring up how it's a pro cop. It's blue lives a little bit. <laughs> it is literally blue lives matter. Like for the first, I would say the first ninety percent because one massive yeah. character in this book is this character named Coop, who is the police officer responsible for saving Quincy from her her murderer. Because mm-hmm. her story goes as follows: she's in the cabin with her friends. Murdering begins, she blacks out her memory for an hour, and the only last thing she remembers is running through the woods covered in blood and running to the arms of a police officer, who now for the past 10 years has been like her bestie, who basically every couple months keeps up with her, like visits her, checks up on her. He will, he lives in Pennsylvania, and if she says something's wrong, he will drive into New York City to see her for like three hours. And she trusts him a lot because I think yeah. if we're going to talk about literal trauma responses, he is like her guardian angel who was plopped into the perfect moment at the perfect time in the perfect place to save her ass when she was and running he's away. Hot, apparently. Apparently, Gorge. I mean, if you're into men with blue eyes, like. Um, Riley Sager, we get it. You like blue-eyed men. Like, you're a little bit too obsessed. Like, that's all you hear about is this guy's piercing blue eyes and his muscles and he's a cop and he's everything. And I think for the first half of this book, it started to lose me because it becomes a book about, um, oh my God, Sam showed up and she's a super weirdo and she's this goth girl and she's really unnerving and Coop the cop doesn't trust her. My Joshua, my boyfriend doesn't trust her who happens to be a defense attorney who's defending a cop killer and that becomes a subplot in everyone's, in Quincy's, you know, whole melodrama is I love Coop who's a cop and I know he hates my boyfriend because my boyfriend's defending a cop killer and you know she even says to her boyfriend like how could you do that how could you ever go to sleep at night knowing that you're defending someone who killed a police officer and it's this whole thing which shout out to boyfriend material is like this we have a whole couple pages where it's like the ethics of being a defense attorney to someone who you you know is like probably guilty or whatever like, the ethics of defending a murderer, and she, like, equates him defending, like, someone who killed a cop to, like, her psychopath murderer, and it just, I was, it was losing me. It was losing me. We even have Sam get arrested, and it's like, we're sorry, police officers, we know you're doing your job. I'm like, why is this in this book? But I think it was in this book for a reason, because the ending was a good flip It was a pretty good flip. Okay, already? Okay. We're not getting to the okay, ending just yet. You you I have to tell say, me what you think about when you were about halfway through the book, where you really thought it was going. Um. Well, when you get to halfway through the book, at this point, you've already, like, basically this book isn't really about finding out who killed Lisa as it is, like, Sam forcing Quincy to remember <laughs> right. what happened at the cabin. So you're slowly getting these little vignettes of like what actually went down as she's remembering them for the first time because she rem- miraculously like blacked out basically and doesn't have any memories for some reason, which is a trauma response. But um, <laughs> once you get halfway through, you start being like, oh, and you start realizing like, 
Quincy is capable of murder and these little vignettes sort of are implying something there. So first you get Sam as a red herring and then you get Quincy as a red herring, which I guess is spoiler because she ends up not being the one who actually killed anybody. But so halfway through, I fully thought it was going to be entirely predictable and Quincy was going to be the one who killed everyone. Exactly. Because the book's writing style wasn't... I think if someone else wrote this book, and I say this all the time when we review books, that I like this concept, but if the right author took this idea, mm-hmm. it could have made it such a more enthralling read, just with, like, the diction, the word choice, like, the way... The chapters are a little bit too short for me, even though I've been a fan of short chapters in the past. I wanted more of a meaty, sweeping look at mm-hmm. these women going through There's New York. simply, like, no suspense yes thank you you hit it you hit it on the head the suspense was sort of sucked away um i don't think it's that suspenseful like these are women who something that they do is they run around central park at three in the morning with a giant pocketbook as bait for someone to come up and mug them so (laughs) that they can simply get out there well that's the thing is we don't really know why they're doing it it's just quincy we're sort of given this picture, this idea that she has a capacity for violence. She has it inside of her. And we see that slowly throughout the book that she likes to be violent. And she has this knot of of evil in her because she almost kills a man because she trapped him and baited him into mugging her. So it was all a product of her own design. But it's not written that suspensefully. Like, I feel like we could have seen who their characters were and, like, the evil underbelly of Quincy's, like, psyche in much more entertaining avenues, you know? Yeah. Because I think for a lot of it, you, you're you introduced to this violent side of her through, like, sex, which um, <laughs> <laughs> is an interesting choice. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> because, I mean, I guess her character is so tied to, like, the incidents of the cabinet where she's like l- trying to lose her virginity for the first night so i guess it kind of makes sense that like this traumatic event has tied to her like sexual exploration in the future but she's like i don't know it just feels very like middle-aged woman written by a man to me it doesn't quite fit right but For me, it's like she just doesn't want to feel like herself when she's having sex. Well, she's telling herself like she's denying. I think that's another theme of the book where she she's constantly denying that she's like the final girl. Right. She's like, I'm not living my life like that. Like, whereas like Lisa, who dies at the beginning, is like, I'm going to teach you how to be a final girl. And then. Obviously, after all the events that happened in this book, at the very end, there's a new final girl because there's a new, like, mass murder. and Which Quincy's was just like, so convenient. <laughs> so convenient. Quincy, like, drops everything, flies to wherever it is, and she's like, I'm here to teach you how to be a final girl, which I guess is character development, but... Toxic character development. Um, like you, <sighs> Let me yeah. say this. How many final girls do we know in real life? Like, is this real? Could yeah. this really happen? Or do you think this is a way over exaggeration? See, I was looking at the reviews of this book, and one of the critiques was like, what are final girls in real life? <laughs> like, I can't think of one. <laughs> Not one. 
not I mean we know in movies so that's why it's like if this was supposed to be like an adaptation of a movie trope into real life it could have been way more camp but they treat it yeah, like it's such a I'm real saying. thing they're like the There's newspapers are enough. obsessed like yeah. I feel like you know you know the Duggars you know they had like 19 yeah. kids and like a scandal like they were always on People magazine and Casey Anthony killed her baby we all know her but I can't think of a final girl I feel like we leave them the fuck alone. But they were acting like these people were literally like, you know, O.J. Simpsons. Like, they were like social icons that enamored the entire country's attention. Like, they were going to get interviewed on every single news station. And this has... Yeah, Oprah. (laughs) Simply Oprah, who couldn't get them all together um, for whatever reason. And I don't know. I just feel like there was a loss of connection of... I was like, this isn't... I really don't think this would happen. It simply doesn't lean far enough like this is a not funny but it's sort of a sensationalized idea but it doesn't sensationalize it at all in this book he's literally baking for half the book if she's gonna fit the trope of the final girl i want her to be like crazy like i want her to be like the crazy interpretation of like the pretty blonde white you know quote-unquote virgin girl i don't know i wasn't feeling it Especially because she loves cops, like, so much, which was mm-hmm. hilarious. Hilarious. Because now we get to the twists. So, Sam. Okay, can I ask you something? Who is your yeah. favorite character in this book? Are you going to say your favorite character is Sam? Not Sam. Oh. Tina Stone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I the way, with love. The way I envisioned her was like so specific wait me too can you say like who you envisioned her as and i'll say who i envisioned her as no you go first okay you know you know that movie i want to get it right but it's like the craft and it's like that like goth girl with the big lips yes she's definitely the goth girl yeah jet black hair yep (laughs) yeah hold on i'm getting oh feruza bulk feruza yes yes yeah Yes. That's exactly yes. how I pictured her. And then this is... You know how many times they mentioned her Rolling Stone shirt? Yeah. Why was that so specific in my mind? I don't know. And then Quincy, for me, alternated between, like, uh, Disney Channel, you know, Olivia Holt sort of girl, to also, like, um, <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy. <laughs> Interesting. Be- I simply didn't think about her that much. She rotated in my mind. Like, I didn't have a clear supervision of her, but, like, Sam, I saw through and through. I knew exactly what she looked like. Yeah. Why don't you talk about Tina Stone so that it's clear to the real... Because she's my favorite character. I don't know how you feel, who your favorite... If you even walked away from this book with a favorite character. Okay, so... Tina Snow... Stone. Tina Snow. Oh, Snow or Stone? Stone. Oh, sorry. Was I saying Tina Snow? I don't remember. Like Megan the Stallion? <laughs> <laughs> Bitches Tina Snow. They love me because I'm cold. Well, or hate me because I'm cold. I don't know. Basically, uh, Megan Sam the Stallion would eat oh. up this movie. Let me just say. She <laughs> loves horror. And I think it would slay. And I mean, totally a cab. But if she was like the cop <laughs> who's like, what'd you guys do in the park? Just to give her like a role in this because she can't play any of these final girl characters because we already have them set as these like archetypal girls. But put Megan in this movie and make it better and then put her on the soundtrack. Anyway, continue what you're saying. So Sam is not who she says she is. She's actually not Sam at all. She is Tina Stone. 
Um, and Tina Stone, we find out, is or was at the mental institution <laughs> that the murderer or the proposed murderer of the Pine Pine Woods. What is it? Pine 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 Cottage. Pine Cottage Murders. Um, and she's kind of, I don't know, there's a really funny part in the, uh, like, flashbacks where the guy's like, I don't know what she is. Because they ask her, like, they ask him if he has a girlfriend. <laughs> so uh, she's basically, like, the murderer's girlfriend who was also at the mental institution that he escaped from. Um and she comes to Quincy because she's like, I need to find out exactly what happened because I know that Joe, who is the guy's, the, the murderer's name, um, I know Joe didn't actually do this murder. So I'm going to force the truth out of Quincy. And that was kind of a girl boss moment, in my opinion. <laughs> I love a girl who basically has her own like baggage, her own, because she is a murderer. Tina Stone mm-hmm. is someone who killed her own stepfather for sexually abusing her. And that's what put her in the mental institution. And 10 years since then, since leaving the mental institution, which was shut down after Joe, her little, you know, boy, bestie, whatever, it was never official. They didn't believe in labels or anything. After he was killed and then subsequently shut down the mental institution because they basically failed to stop him from escaping, she's been living between, like, homelessness, random jobs, a very, like, big void, a life filled with a lot of void. So she gets the brilliant idea that she's going to play out um, this fake life as Samantha Boyd, one of the lone surviving final girls. And she's going to use this fake identity, since no one's seen Samantha Boyd in 10 years, or more than 10 years or something, to get in contact with the other final girls, Lisa and Quincy. Which I thought was a genius, crazy girl move. Because I was like, finally, we get an actual crazy person. Like, we get someone, but someone with, I love an evil person, but with a purpose. Like, the villain that you understand. Mm -hmm. It's like, when there's the thing on Twitter, it's like, the show villain versus the true villain. Like, she was not the true villain of this story. She simply just wanted to clear the name of her best friend, boyfriend. And the only way that she knew how, because think about it, she's been mistreated her entire life. No one's ever really given her a chance. She's this girl who simply went to a psych ward for, like, killing her abuser with a family that doesn't love her or care about her. And when someone mistakes her for Samantha Boyd, she's like, wait, I could pull this off. And basically goes on this giant adventure of her own, which I would have loved to have read about. This would have been a fun book, Switching Perspectives, I think, in a small way. Because Quincy starts to uncover that Samantha's met Lisa. She's been to Lisa's house. She knows so much about... Within the week that Lisa dies or the day of or something. Exactly. And it's like, it all signs point to the fact that obviously Sam is trying to hunt down these final girls and take them out because she must have killed Lisa. And the climax of this book is when Quincy gets drugged by Sam um, with whatever you use to like knock someone out like a roofie or something and brings the bitch back to Pine Cottage because she's crazy. Mm -hmm. And she basically wants to trigger literally capital T trigger this bitch by bringing her back to the spot of the murder where um, 
you know, to the point of, like, she can't even say the murderer's name. Like, she says the name of the guy who murdered her friends. His name's, like, Joe. I was about to say Joe Alwyn, but, like, that's Taylor Swift's, like, <laughs> boyfriend. Um, Joe, I think it's Joe Hannon. She says his name and, like, vomits. Like, she cannot say his name. She will not. Um, and when she does, it kind of brings to the surface a lot of memories in which she realizes, holy fuck. I don't think Joe did this. Um, and this was the twist I was waiting for. I was literally begging for this book to go there, and I did not expect it. Did you expect the twist? I was surprised, but not shocked. <laughs> Why not? When it came around. Well, I was surprised because I didn't see it coming, but like after the fact, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, the character Coop, I thought he had to serve a little bit more of a purpose than just being, like, her confidant and, like, her protector. It was weird enough that he was, like, a middle-aged man for the past 10 years, hasn't gotten married, has no kids, has no life except for being a cop, and is obsessed with the sole survivor of this murder that happened 10 years ago. It seems like a little bit of an unhealthy fixation. We know that. And throughout the book... We get so many hints that they're flirting with each other. Like, she's horny for him. Like, Quincy really likes Coop, like, a lot. But she's not letting herself give in to her feelings because she knows it would be wrong because, obviously, she's, one, engaged to someone or, like, heavily in a, you know, serious, committed relationship with someone else. And, two, because you shouldn't date the person that's just, like, you know the amount of trauma laced into their relationship. Like they met each other when she was escaping from being stabbed to death. Um, and when she gets taken to pine cottage, she's able to text one person before this phone battery dies and it's coop. And she's like, Oh my God, Sam kidnapped me and drug me and brought me to pine cottage. Fuck. You need to help me. And then her phone dies and you're like, we hope the message went through. this is after they have a one night stand. <laughs> oh, I am leaving out the fact that they fucked. <laughs> they, they did do that. Um, not only does she have sex with him, she remembers mm-hmm. that he yeah. was actually the one who murdered everyone. And um, yeah, that's the twist. And I was gagged. I was gagged because... I love that it was the cop. (laughs) I love it. I love it. You know, I love that this book trains you to feel bad for police officers, to trust them. You know, it's wrong that her boyfriend is defending, like, someone who murdered a cop. (laughs) And meanwhile, when Quincy is dragged back to Pine Cottage by Sam or Tina Stone, queen, who goes to jail in the end, which she totally deserves to uh, go to jail. But she triggers all of these memories. And like, oh, no, you slay too hard. Like, make the sentence last, please, queen. Yeah, like she literally slayed because she was like, my friend Joe is innocent and we're going to prove this. And um, Coop shows up to the cottage shooting shoots Mm. Tina Stone and Mm. finds Quincy on the ground after Quincy just basically blurted out, like, oh, my God, I remember everything. He's like, so you remember, like, it was me who stabbed everyone to death, right? And she's like, yeah, I kind of (laughs) do. I think that, you know, ACAB, first of all, and um, secondly, um, ACAB. Yeah. I think it's a very, like, good... uh 
sort of representation of like the types of people who go into law enforcement because they're tr- they're obviously like have aggression issues and they're using like police enforcement as an outlet which is uh not what i want in a police officer thank you <laughs> not to get like political on the pod oh. but it's like the majority of police officers that I've read about or I feel like I just might know in person are just normal people, well, quote-unquote normal people, who have their own issues to deal with that are mostly lean into an aggressive side but are deputized with power over other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they said he was... It's the first chapter. She's like, Coop used to be in the Marines. I'm like, oh, red flag. Yeah. I mean, the not to be whatever, like, you know, serve and protect. I'm glad we have... I'm not here to disrespect yeah. anyone who sacrifices whatever they're sacrificing love it love it right okay but like he literally says at the end like i joined the military and i joined the police force because i thought it could stop me from killing other people but yes like you know in the show dexter well like i never really watched it but the main plot point is that his dad recognizes that his son's a sociopath who has an urge to murder people so he he uses it to turn his son into like a like well he's also a detective so there you go um but the thing about dexter is he only murders like bad people like pedophiles and like murder i didn't watch the show but that's the thing it's like once you have this capacity and this urge for specifically murder it's like you it's like it's it's this insatiable desire. It's the same thing as if your passion is to be like a fucking singer and you have like the voice of Ariana Grande. Like you have to sing. You have to kill people. You have to. So he said he joined the Marines because he thought if I wasn't killing Americans and then, you know, I could kill, it would feel good to kill people, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Marines are like, no offense, but like the bottom of the barrel of the military from what I understand. You could just, I think anyone could join the Marines. So... I'm not surprised that a sociopathic cop, you know, killer cop was once in the Marines. Um, And yeah, Quincy's all horny for that, you know, until she realizes, fuck, so I was spared because you have a crush on me, basically. Like, you fixated, you imprinted on me like I'm fucking Renesmee. (laughs) Shout out to the next book we're reading. Um, And that's why all this time I was spared and everyone else was murdered. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she has a point of guilt. It was a, it's sort of a plot point where, like, as she's remembering, she's remembering slowly. And she's like, oh, Joe only left me alive because I had sex with him. And that's, mm-hmm. like, guilt and shame. But then she finds out later, like, it's actually Coop who left her alive. Basically, Quincy, with her weird, aggressive side, she, like, picks up the knife the night of the murder. She wants to go murder her friends because yeah. she's sad because her friend's having sex with the boy that she likes, blah, blah, blah. So this is like a repetitive thing in her life is that people seduce the people that she likes. So she sort of snaps for a second and picks up a knife and goes to go find them in the woods. But then she like drops the knife on the ground because she's like, oh my God, I'm not a murderer. And basically that's the knife that Coop like no, finds. She drops it because Joe, who has literally murdered people before, is like, you don't want to do this because it's not going to feel okay after because like I know because I did it. So like you're getting like this weird like Joe isn't as bad as he is but like what happened to make him snap at the end. But question, who did Joe murder? He like killed a bully like back in like school or something and that's why he's Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I mean, like, it's not great, but we've met a lot of psycho people in this book, and he's not the most psycho. 
Mm-mm. Um, and yeah, I I think the book overall, I have to say, I enjoyed it. I read it in like three days. It definitely was a great subway read. Reading it in the park, it wasn't written to the type of style that I was obsessed with i think a lot of it was very transparent i don't know how many books i'm gonna read with like damaged women who just get drunk and take pills and sit in bed together and drink whiskey and do it for days and days on end it's not that exciting Mm -hmm. i think that when quincy was finally you know this bitch flies to chicago and drives to indiana to the house of lisa who was the original final girl who got murdered she's supposed to be uncovering all the clues and all of that was wrapped up in like four or five pages and I don't know. I just feel like there could have been way more suspense laced into a lot of what she did and it wasn't really there. So as a spooky novel, like with the spook, eh, the suspense, eh, mystery, sure. But um, I've read more mysterious takes. Come on. Come on. Like I've been saying, I just wish it like leaned into everything more because it's a final girl book, right? final girls mm-hmm. are crazy like you had so many tropes to work with there that follow the final girl that just make it more fantastical not like magic but you know like <laughs> <laughs> or magic <laughs> if this ended up being like aliens at the end imagine <laughs> That would have pissed me off so much I almost would have liked the book more because that's my least favorite thing is like you know, the movie like Cloverfield Lane or whatever, where, you know, the whole thing, it's like, you're clearly kidnapped. Like this man sex trafficked you and kidnapped you and put you in a bunker. You know, it's not the end of the world. But then in the last five minutes of the movie, it's like the end of the world. And I'm like, (laughs) the fuck? That would have pissed me off too, but at least it would have been more memorable. Like I personally don't think moving forward in life, I'm going to remember any of the details of this book. I think I'd rather just go watch The Craft to see Feruza Balk slay in that than ever read this book again. I don't think it's worth an adaptation, but if they did do it, um, make sure Megan Thee Stallion is in it. Um, And that'd be really fucking fun. Is there anything you would change about the book specifically? Like, if you had to fix the book, what's your biggest fix? Well, I already said, like, just lean into everything more. Do it in what way? Just make everything bigger and crazier and campier. (laughs) It's like when she almost killed that guy in the park. It's like, she should have had a gun. Just give the girls guns and this book would have been insane. I don't like, like, the gun. Guns, I feel like, aren't very useful in the horror genre. No, I know. I'm just kidding. You know, it's not as visceral than like. No, white. I mean stabbing is way more fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, now that I would know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, murder. What I took away from this book is murderers walk among us, and they're probably cops. Among us. <laughs> Say, oh my god, oh my god, person, follow me on Instagram. I'm Geraldine. Um, <laughs> at Geraldine Muglio on Instagram and at Gay Book Friends on Instagram. Um, more spooky content has to be coming your way. Has I'm, to be. Come on. It will be. Um, if you're a listener of the pod, you will love, or a bestie rather, a bestie. Um, if you have any suggestions for spooky books, we would love that. You can hit us up on Instagram, as I just said. Um, but hopefully the next one we read, I want some real murder, you know? Yeah. I want to feel terrified. I want to be on the edge of my seat. This felt like dipping our toes into spooky season. It was a good book one. Book one. You know, I read it through October 1st through 3rd. So 
It was a nice start. It was a puddle. Baby, I want the ocean. Okay. Honey, He's I want... for the a lot, baby. Abyss. <laughs> I know. I want to be scared. And I mean, the book we're reviewing next is not scary. But camp? She has camp. <laughs> She right. has that's that's All our right. clue. All right. All right. Um, thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of Gay Book Friends where we're gonna read books and if they're not gay We will we, make them gay. Did we make this book gay? You know what? I did at some point think Sam and Quincy were sapphic. <laughs> they were gonna like finger each other in that bed. At the right? end. At the end, right? Oh, I'll just touch on this. I'm obsessed. With the fact that they're like besties at the end, yeah. Like she visits her in prison, and she's like, "Girl, you she's know, like, baby." <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Listen, like I was in the mental institution. I got justice for my friend. I feel like Sam's gonna. T- I'm sorry, Tina. First of all, a bitch named Tina. Yeah, she's gonna do great yeah. in prison. Miss Stone. <laughs> she's she already has some bodies under her belt. Well, one. Then she beat when she beat that guy to like outside the diner. The guy who used to because she was also molested and sexually yeah. abused in the psych ward. Yeah. So she had some things to take care of, and you know what? She's gonna be in jail for like fifteen months. And at the end, uh, Quincy leaves her man. She's like, you know what? I'm good by myself. And then she turns on the news. Literally, I think as she leaves the fucking prison and it's like mass murder on a college campus. And she's like, I know what I need to do. You know, the gif, it's like, don't worry, I'm on my way. It's like super nanny. <laughs> she like turns into Lisa, I feel like. I think that's what we're supposed to get. Like there's a cycle. Right. Is that now she's the new final girl who wants to like fix all the other final girls and be like the mom. You know, she's getting a book deal. At the end of the day, I mean, this book, the plot of what goes on was good enough that if this really happened in real life, that would make a really good autobiography. Exactly. So good for her. Anyway. Um, girl power and A Cab. All the way. A <laughs> Cab A C A B and G B F. Bye guys. Bye. Love you. I always say love you. I don't think I